She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Dawn Newton. to the Don Newton Podcast. I'm your host, Don Newton. Today, we're talking with Bob Cranmer. He is the author of The Demon of Brownsville Road. This is the story of a family who fought for their home, and they also fought to keep their sanity against an evil entity that possessed it. We're talking an entirely believable, well-documented account of a demonic haunting, so much so that the Discovery Channel did a documentary on this called The Exorcist Files, and I believe it aired back in, what, 2011. Not only is Bob Cranmer the author of this book, The Demon of Brownsville Road, He's also the homeowner, and uh, he still lives there today. The book is The Demon of Brownsville Road, A Pittsburgh Family's Battle with Evil in Their Home. Bob, you had been watching this house as a young child. I had. Brownsville Road, or I should say Brentwood, is, uh, is one of the first areas that developed as a suburb of Pittsburgh proper uh, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Brownsville Road was one of the main roads into the city at that time. So they built these big stately houses out on Brownsville Road, you know, six, seven, eight miles out of the town. I, for some reason, was just always intrigued uh, with with what became my house. And as a, as a young boy, seven, eight years old, uh, back in those days, uh, you know, a seven-year-old could walk around town by himself and I would just stand in front of the house and just stare at it and just was um, mesmerized by it to the point that when we were moving back to Brentwood when I left the military, um, and this was 1988, my mother, who was, also, who was a retired real estate broker, said to me, uh, not that house on Brownsville or give me an address, she goes, oh, by the way, your house is going up for sale. And she already referred to it because she knew how I just loved this house and that it was going on the market. And uh, we were the first and only uh, people to look at it and uh, and purchased it. And it was almost like it was all a setup, like there was providence involved in it. And that, um, as I was later told, that this this battle that we went through and the evil that we finally was in, we were involved with in expunging from the house was, was a battle that uh, not only was um, in some way uh, laid down uh, well before our uh, purchasing the house, but uh, I think also the story of telling it was uh, predestined. Well, so that all sounds creepy, but <laughs> hey, I'm telling the story. No, you, you have, and you're, and you've, you're alive to tell it, because <laughs> that was quite a battle. Tell us about this battle. Sure. Um, you know, when we first moved in the house, and as I had asked the gentleman that we bought it from after I had this creepy feeling, <laughs> I said, is there, is there anything wrong with this house? Now, with that question, you would think he would respond and say, what do you mean, the furnace, the roof, right, the electricity? Call. No, he said, no, nah, this house is fine. In fact, we've had mass in the living room several times. <laughs> I said, you've had mass in the living room. Who has mass 
in their living room uh, for for Catholics that are listening. I mean, that's obviously not something that general generally takes place in your house. Sure, they'll bring communion uh, if someone is, is sick or elderly, but not a full-fledged mass. Uh, later on, when we had mass on all four floors of the house, including the basement, <laughs> I understood what his comment was, and, and they were looking to unload this house and get out of it, as many people, had, you know, we, the suggestions that had been made to us, just sell the house and get rid of it, get out of it. After we were in the house a few weeks, my wife and I began to experience what, you know, categorized as called paranormal activity, and it was inex- inexplicable uh, things that happened, and, and it didn't seem threatening or anything. It was a curiosity, and we came to conclude her and I, because our children were still little babies, four, three, two, and a newborn, they certainly weren't up to any mischief. We realized, well, for whatever whatever it means, we have a ghost in this house. But again, it seemed like it was um, not, not a threat, and it's, it was curious, and for a number of years, we kind of just lived with it, and when it would do it, whatever it did, you know, turn all the lights on or turn on faucets or move furniture around and things that weren't threatening. We just kind of ignored it and nodded to each other and, and moved on. But as time went on, as the years went by, this thing began surreptitiously, initially not really understanding what was taking place. It began a subsequent design on really destroying our family you know it attacked uh, my my wife and two of my children mentally uh and and eventually as it really uh, it unmasked its presence it would attack us physically and just came up with all types of these strange manifestations designed to terror you know terrorize us and uh, that became our life in this house and then rather than leaving uh, with the help of um, uh, the Catholic Church in Pittsburgh, we decided that we would confront it and fight it, and ultimately we we prevailed. In the title of the book, it's not The Ghost of Brownsville Road, it's The Demon of Brownsville Road. That's right. And, you know, another thing I learned through this whole experience is that, you know, however this works and for whatever reason, you do have disembodied spirits that are, you know, have been, that are called ghosts or spirits of, you know, of people who once lived. And for whatever reason, they don't go on to whatever, you know, their final destiny is, and they stay attached to a place or a room or, or a house. Uh, they aren't generally malevolent. They're just, you know, you know, looking for their lost lover or some such thing. Uh, uh, that's associated generally with some not-so-nice experience they had before they died. But in our case, it wasn't a ghost. This was a malevolent, evil entity that wanted to hurt us, that wanted to terrify us. It was like living... It was first person. It was interactive. It was like living with the invisible man. This wasn't just some ghostly apparition that you would see appear for a moment and float down the hall. This thing would be in the room with you at the same time. And uh, it, it, as I said, it was in, in what it would do and 
how it would try again to to terrorize us. It was very, very interactive and um, present day after day, week after week for for couple years as we battled it. You say that, you know, you weren't necessarily a strong religious man, but turning to the Catholic Church, what is it about the Catholic Church and exorcism? Why do we not see it as much in other religions? Well, or even other denominations, you know, I was, we were evangelical Christians, not to say anything against an evangelical Christian, and, you know, we were Baptist, and, and, um, you know, if I would, when this started to happen with my family and in the house, you know, I was being questioned once by an academic from the University of Arizona, and uh, he studies religion and the evolution, or yeah, the evolution of religion and so on, uh, from an academic uh, humanities standpoint. And I told him, listen, if I could have gotten some shaman in a you know grass skirt waving a stick with a mask on who was said he could come to my house and do a dance in my living room and get this thing to leave, I certainly would have paid him to do it. Um, but it's not like you, you can go to the Yellow Pages and, you know, get Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and the <laughs> Ghostbusters to come to you. When, when stuff's flying through the air and furniture's moving around and your family is, you know, losing its mind, um, who do you call? And at that point in time, you know, we've all seen the movie The Exorcist and other such things that, you know, you get an old priest and a young priest and these guys have some uh, take on, on what to do. So eventually, through my friend at the time, the mayor of Pittsburgh, Tom Murphy, um, he suggested, hey, Bob, I'm going to go see the bishop, Bishop Worrell. And he went and sat with the bishop and explained to him what I was experiencing. Uh, you know, I had previously talked to the pastor of my church, and he looked at me like I was some kind of a nut, <laughs> and then tried to discount it as it was uh, adolescent rebellion, and my wife had mental problems, and, you know, to try to uh, uh, attribute it to, you know, demonic forces or evil was ridiculous. Well, when I was contacted by uh, the priest who the bishop assigned, they were very businesslike and didn't think I was crazy at all. I thought that, you know, the priest or the bishop or someone would come all dressed, decked out in their Catholic garb and, you know, with incense and so on and go through a few rituals and it would be over. But the priest who initially talked to me said this is going to be a diff how he knew at the time how bad it was. He said this is going to be very difficult and in a year we'll know if we're making progress something I didn't want to hear, obviously. I wanted this thing fixed. I wanted, like, the Roto-Rooter man to come in or the termite, Terminex, fix the problem. Well, what I found out was that they would help us, but ultimately it was my family and my wife. We were the ones who had to fight the battle. Well, it's, the story is fascinating, and you can't put the book down. Now, the, ultimately, we have the exorcism, the final showdown. And what was interesting is how you said, you know, both in the book and what I've seen in your interviews is, you know, we would expect some big, big showdown, fireworks. Dramatic. Yeah, extremely dramatic. And that wasn't the case at all. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I, I you would expect, you know, like in the end of The Exorcist, the... You know, the thing takes one of the priests and he jumps out the window. And Or in the, in the case of the story that the Exorcist movie is based upon, apparently when that demon was expelled from that young boy, there was a bolt of lightning or, or thunder that clapped in the sky when this thing left. 
But in our case, I believe, and I describe in the book, this was like a blazing fire that eventually just burned itself out. It didn't end with a bang. It ended with a whimper. And uh, this thing by that point was so so tapped out and, and so weakened by this long, drawn-out battle, as we were weakened and worn out. But ultimately, when it ended, it ended very quietly, and it was over. Well, the book is The Demon of Brownsville Road, a Pittsburgh family's battle with evil in their home. The author, Bob Cranmer, and and homeowner of that's right of the home on Brownsville Road. Where can where can we find your book and learn more about this? Because I'm sure some people are going to be looking you up. Yeah, um, well, uh, obviously it's it's available uh, in electronic form and Kindle, uh, paperback, uh, audio book, and Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Walmart, <laughs> any bookseller. Uh, it's it's available online. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's it's kind of like a real life matrix, uh, the movie The Matrix. Yeah, you um, mentioned that in the book several times. I'm I, I kind of went through the telephone line into the world that exists around us, and I, I really believe there's a there are forces of good and evil all around us that are unseen, sometimes seen but unseen, and uh, uh, they're warring uh, warring over uh, the souls of uh, humans. Well, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, The Don Newton Podcast, with me, your host, Don Newton. I also want to thank my guest today, Bob Cranmer, author of The Demon of Brownsville Road. He's also the homeowner of this property. If you'd like to learn more about Bob's story, see some photos, uh, you can go to demonofbrownsville.com. Again, that's demonofbrownsville.com. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to donnewton.org. I'm on Insta, Facebook, Twitter, all that social stuff. Again, donnewton.org. The Don Newton Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton. Don't